Welcome to the Venley Expert Talks, where we aim to inspire Web3 builders with great stories from great minds. I'm your host, Alexandra Ahrens, and I'd like to remind you that you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Discord, or LinkedIn with ideas for the podcast and questions for our guests. Welcome to episode 44 of the Venley Expert Talks. Today I'm joined by Dr. Mark van Remenem, an award-winning keynote speaker, five-time author, and founder of the Digital Futures Institute. And we're going to be talking about the technology that will shape our future. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Alex. It's uh, great to be part of your show. Great. Perfect. Um, Then let's kind of go into it. You've got a lot going on. So if we can start from the beginning, um, tell me kind of what led you to where you are today. Sure, that's a, that's a long story though. Um, <laughs> I've done a few uh, a few different uh, things, a few odd things. Um, but uh, at at the moment, I'm a, I'm a strategic futurist, uh, which means that I think about emerging technologies and how they change organizations and society. Um, and um, um, I've been doing this for over a decade. And um, my focus is really on, you know, big data, blockchain, AI, the metaverse, um, how are these technologies evolving? Um, uh, what's the impact of these, uh, these technologies? And, and how, how can organizations benefit from these technologies? So I very much believe in practice what you preach. So um, I don't only talk about this stuff. I actually also try to do this stuff. So um, I'm also known as the digital speaker because when the pandemic hit, um, I couldn't obviously do my talks in person anymore. So I created the digital speaker brand which um, allowed me to um, um, uh, do keynotes as a hologram, but also I created an avatar uh, way before the metaverse was a hit uh, uh, to deliver keynotes as, as an avatar. Um, uh, I delivered the, f- the world's first VR talk uh, for TEDx um, uh, in 2020, which was uh, very, very interesting. Um, and um, I'm currently building a digital twin of myself, um, and um, I have just written my fifth book completely with AI, um, again, as an, exp- as an experiment to understand how these technologies uh, are, are working and are evolving. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very much, yeah, I try to understand, you know, what, what do these technologies do? Um, how do they affect our, our, our business? Um, what can we learn from them? How can we benefit from them? And, how can, and more importantly, also, how can we use them responsibly? Awesome. Um, yeah, can you maybe elaborate a little bit further on those kinds of strategies and approaches that you would recommend for businesses? Sure. So um, you know, the way I look at te- technologies, um, digital technologies, is that they they are a tool. You know, it's it's a, it's a neutral tool, um, and we need to understand um, how we can benefit from these from this, these tools. And I think you know, a lot of organizations um, uh, find it difficult to change. Uh, they find it difficult to embrace you know, digital transformation um, at all levels of the organization. Um, and my approach is really to help organizations achieve that by, uh, on the one hand, um, uh, um, advocating that we we need to change the entire you know, organization at all levels of the business. Uh, people need to understand what these digital technologies mean for their, uh, f- from their perspective um, and for their role. Um, because I believe that if you have, if you teach all employees in the, in the organization, whether it's a thousand employees or a quarter of a million employees, you get the chance to, to truly change your business. Um, and, you know, every organization should embrace these technologies because, you know, um, um, it's going to happen whether we want it or not. You know, uh, it's not that we can say, oh, I, don't, I don't want the metaverse to happen because I think it's stupid or I don't want crypto to happen because I think it's, uh, you know, it's criminal. Um, uh, that's just 
simply doesn't work because you know the, te- te- the technologies are evolving um, and we'll have to adapt them and we'll have to embrace them whether we want it or not. Uh, and I think that's that's the crucial part here. Um, and I think you know any organization needs to start embracing these technologies to ensure um, uh, that they can benefit from these technologies in the long run. Um, and and uh, that's the second thing that I always tell organizations: we should have a more long-term perspective, a more long-term approach, a long-term stakeholder approach instead of a sh- uh, yeah, short-term shareholder approach, especially with digital technologies, um, because they take a long time to um, evolve um, and they have an impact on the long run as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what's so interesting that you say you've been doing this for a decade already. Um, have you seen a lot of changes already coming into effect then since you began this? this work oh yeah 100 percent. you know it all started with uh, uh with with big data um uh, so my uh, also i've written five books and my first book wasn't was published in 2014 called think bigger um and you know back then i thought well big data is going to be it. it's going to be hot um and I, and and i sort of thought well it's going to be uh, two three years and then you know the whole world <laughs> will will do big data well obviously that didn't really happen um and uh, you know over time this has has, has evolved um uh, I, I moved from myself i moved from big data to blockchain uh, when i was doing my phd uh, i incorporated ai uh, and obviously you know recently the metaverse so technology is constantly evolving um, and it's my objective and my, uh, my uh, what I try to, to achieve is to sort of look into the future to see what, what can we expect next? You know, what's going to happen in the next uh, decade? What's going to happen in the next 15, 20 years? Um, and how are these technologies going to impact um, our lives? But it's also, I think, very important to see that, you know, um, I, I can be wrong as well because, you know, technology often comes a lot faster than I anticipated, you know, um, and, and I think the best example is what we've seen in the past four months, you know, the, the entire um, uh, buzz and hype and, and the, the developments around generative AI uh, or synthetic mm-hmm. media, um, uh, more particularly ChatGPT, mm-hmm. um, you know, what has happened in, in, in such a short time frame, nobody foresaw, foresaw coming. Um, and I think that is, um, 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 that's also something important to be aware of. The technology uh, yeah, it can evolve, you know, often really, really quickly um, in, um, and then have a massive change that, that you, you might not have seen and might not have foreseen. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to dive into a lot of those things here in this talk, um, especially some of the effects and and what's happening with all of it. Um, So starting out, actually, I kind of want to go through a couple of the topics that you talk about in your most recent book. Um, So starting out with the metaverse, um, a lot of people have very differing opinions on what the metaverse even is and what it means. Um, Can we start there? (laughs) What does it mean to you? (laughs) <laughs> sure. Um, well, so, so, so the metaverse um, um, uh, for my um, fourth book actually was uh, Step Into the Metaverse. Um, I did a, a, about 100 in-depth interviews um, uh, with the stakeholders who are building the metaverse. And I did another almost 150 uh, surveys, very long surveys. Um, and um, I got almost 250 different definitions of what the metaverse is, which sort of clearly shows that the metaverse, you know, it's a very abstract concept. Um, it's very difficult to, to grasp for a lot of people. And so... To me, what I derive from all these all these interviews, uh, what the metaverse is to me is it's it's where the physical and the digital worlds are converging. So where the physical moves into the digital and the digital moves into the physical. So if we look at from the, the physical moving into the digital, that's basically what we are doing. You are in Germany, I am in uh, Sydney, Australia, um, and we are connecting um, through the digital realm um, in real time, having this conversation um, uh, about future technologies. To me, that is part of sort of the very, very early phases of the metaverse. I 
wouldn't say it's the metaverse, uh, because the metaverse to me is also a 3D immersive internet. And when we move from a 2D to a 3D internet, and what we're doing at the moment is 2D internet. Um, and so um, you can also say as part of the, the physical moving into the digital is where uh, digital twins come in, you know, um, where we create exact di- digital replicas of, asset, of, of physical assets so that we can interact with those physical assets in the digital world. Um, and we can either, you know, there are different levels, so we can monitor what's going on or we can interact uh, and, and you know, influence the physical assets from the digital world. So that's one part. The other part is where the digital moves into the physical. Um, and I think this is going to be a lot bigger part, a much bigger part for the metaverse than, than the other one. Because it allows us to basically add like you know, near infinite layers uh, on top of the physical world um, and explore and experience these, these augment, this, this augmented reality um, 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 across the globe, basically. And I think um, it allows us to, to um, you know, um, have a, uh, improve our physical experience in ways that has never been possible. Now, of course, virtual reality and augmented reality are channels to interact with this immersive internet. Um, uh, as, the same is as the, your, the desktop or your, your iPad or, or your smartphone is a channel to interact with the 2D internet. Over time, 10, 15 years, those 2D devices will likely disappear um, because, you know, a, a, a sleek augmented reality glasses or uh, VR glasses or VR headset is a lot more uh, useful than having to carry a, a desktop computer with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's that's far far into into the future. But so, the, the very much the convergence of the physical and the digital, where you create sort of the digital uh, uh, experience, which is a horrible word. Um, uh, <laughs> luckily, I didn't coin it. Uh, but it's um, it, it's that's that's sort of where I foresee uh, where this next iteration of the internet will be. And I think what's important will move from you know having to make a conscious decision to go on the internet to be actively involved in the internet, uh, to be part of in the internet, um, where the internet is as pervasive as the air we breathe or the energy we consume. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So most of the uses that we're seeing right now for the metaverse, in my opinion, from what I've seen, I guess, is things like gaming and entertainment or yeah, hosting talks and things like that. Um, are there any other uses or industries that you can think of that would really benefit from the metaverse within just the next few years? Sure. So, well, I think, you know, that's one of the misconceptions that we see at the moment, you know, that people think uh, the metaverse equals gaming um, or mm-hmm. the metaverse equals virtual reality or the metaverse equals Web3 for that matter. Um, um, I don't think it's any any of the above individually, but it can be all of the above, you know, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I think what's important for brands to understand is that you know, we are moving to the next iteration of the internet, where we had you know, the first, the very static internet, uh, the early to at the start of, the, of this millennium. Then we moved to the, uh, to the to the to the mobile internet um, uh, when the, when the iPhone was launched. Uh, then we moved to the to the social internet uh, towards the 2010s, you know, uh, with all the social media platforms. Um, and, and now we're moving to the next iteration, the immersive internet. Um, uh, so. By the fact that we're moving from 2D to 3D, and 3D being a lot more intuitive, a lot more seamless to uh, to us humans, mm-hmm. because we are made for 3D, we're not made for 2D, um, mm-hmm. it will have an effect on all industries. Um, and of course, some industries will see a bigger impact than other industries. You know, the fishing industry might see uh, yeah, less of an impact at short notice than, let's say, the retail industry or the luxury industry. Uh, but in the end, I think all industries will have will experience this. Uh, what we see happening today already is that, you know, uh, the, the, of course, the luxury industry, the fashion industry is is really exploring um, uh, uh, the metaverse, uh, using the NFTs with, with digital fashion um, to create a novel experience. Uh, but I think in the end, um, 
every every industry will benefit, can benefit, um, and should benefit from from this immersive internet. Yeah, very well put. Um, you kind of touched on there for a second, kind of the retail aspect. How do you think the emergence of the metaverse will change the way businesses operate and interact with their customers? Do you have any visuals lined up for that? Um, yeah, sure. I, I think what what I foresee happening when it's specifically uh, retail sector is we'll, mo- we'll move from e-commerce to what I call i-commerce, immersive commerce. Uh, where um, we, um, you know, um, used uh, uh, either have you know direct to avatar uh, uh, purchases where we buy stuff for our avatars. So these are purely digital products that we buy with crypto uh, for our avatars, um, and. Um, um, of course, it's then and these hopefully in an open metaverse because that's what we what I uh, am, uh, uh, try to you know, to push very much because um, I think that's better than a closed metaverse. Um, uh, you know, these digital fashion items are like NFTs, non fungible tokens, so that you can take them from one experience to another. Um, mm-hmm. uh, then you have the digital to physical um, uh, part where you can uh, cr- buy uh, a product in a digital uh, world in a three D immersive world um, for um, um, uh, your, as a physical item to be delivered to your house. Uh, now, this can be, for example, that you buy, uh, decides to buy uh, some clothing um, and you want to see how that jacket looks on you, uh, on your avatar um, uh, in 3D. Um, um, and you can see the flowing of the, of the fabric. You can see how the how the jacket looks on on your body in, in, in your with your dimensions. Uh, so you have a very good understanding which size of the jacket and how the jacket looks like before you buy it. Uh, that that's one mm-hmm. thing. Um, at the same time, um, if you buy that physical jacket, you can also maybe get um, a, a digital jacket for your avatar, so that you and, and your avatar can wear the same thing. Um, that's one one part of of e-commerce. You can also see that you have like magic, so-called magic mirrors in in physical stores uh, where you can um, you know uh, stand in front of a mirror and you can just swap clothes clothing um, as you stand there, which are, especially in China are already happening quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I think all of these are, are, are a way to have a better experience, um, um, to uh, better understand which clothing you, you want to wear, um, and will also have a dramatic impact on, on sustainability uh, because all those clothes, instead of you know uh, requesting three sizes, you only have to request one size. Um, and normally, mm-hmm. if you request three sizes, two of those sizes you return end up on landfill. Um, and now at least you um, only order hopefully one size so that uh, less, fewer clothes will end up on landfill. Okay, that all sounds very positive. So at this point, do you see any potential challenges or drawbacks to this kind of metaverse or or e-commerce situation? Well, I I don't see necessarily drawbacks to e-commerce. I see a lot of drawbacks to the metaverse um, because, you know, there are a lot of dangers lurking in the corners of the metaverse, as as I'd like to say. Um, Because, you know, (laughs) um, as we move from a 2D to 3D internet, all the problems that we have with today's internet will be extrapolated um, in the in next iteration of the internet. Um, uh, so we'll have uh, more polarization, we'll have more uh, harassment, we'll have more uh, bots and trolls, we'll have more privacy issues, we'll have more health issues, we'll have more um, um, misinformation, we'll have et cetera. So we, we, you know, all the problems that we have today will be extrapolated in the metaverse. Um, and I think that's very, very problematic. Um, and we really need to think carefully about how, how to 
how to go about that. Uh, because with the current internet, we sort of you know, sleepwalked into this, into this, all these fantastic possibilities. Never really thought about uh, the consequences. Never really thought, you know, privacy became an afterthought. You know, security became an afterthought. Um, and you know, in the metaverse, we'll create a hundred times more data than we do today. Um, so we should not make this an afterthought again. Uh, we have to think carefully and. So far, um, you know, there's been um, it doesn't it doesn't go into into the right direction, um, and that that worries mm-hmm. me a lot um, because um, um, yeah, if 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 we want to build a, a digital society that that's that's useful, uh, we have to think about the consequences. You know, we uh, we have to think about the governance. We have to think about what do we allow, what we don't allow, and and we also have to think about the unintended consequences uh, which might come uh, come about. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of one of those topics that I said we might touch on a couple times. So who do you think is responsible for that? Is that government's job or is that the builder's job or a mixture or how do you see it? Uh, That's a good question. I I think it's um, a a combination. So governments, they need to step up the game. Uh, um, They need to create regulation that doesn't stifle innovation, but, but that's it. But, you know, that, that, you know, allows for innovation, but also protects the consumer um, um, and protects the consumer against big tech. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's also the, the builders, you know, the startups, the scalers who are building these technology. Often these, these, these startups, they build fantastic technology, but not necessarily think about the consequences of whatever they're building because they're just busy building their stuff. Um, they have their investors um, uh, at their back uh, asking mm-hmm. for exits. Um, uh, so they, they build without necessarily thinking about uh, the, the, you know, the consequences and the unintended consequences of whatever they're building. Um, so that's the problem. Then we have the enterprise organizations uh, who are you know, applying these technologies in their businesses. Um, they need to do that in the right way. Um, and they need to embrace data technology uh, in the right way from a security perspective, from a privacy perspective. And you know, the amount of data breaches, breaches that we have seen in the past decades is just you know, scary and it will only increase. Mm-hmm. So we need to educate the enterprise organizations as well. And finally, I think there's also a responsibility for you and me, you know, the general public. Uh, we need to understand what's going on here. We need to understand how mm-hmm. to behave in this digital world. And we might be digitally n- native. We might be able to understand how to use a computer or a smartphone or a VR headset. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're digitally literate. It doesn't mean that we understand mm-hmm. how to behave in this digital world um, and that we cannot say and do everything in the digital world um, that we also can't do in the real world, you know? Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's a very, very important uh, responsibility also for the consumer uh, that, that, that you and I, we understand what we get into, that we understand how to behave. You know, if you go to China uh, and you don't speak uh, Mandarin, um, it's a lot more difficult to move around um, and um, um, than if you, would, if you would speak Mandarin. You know, so if you want to move, move around in the metaverse, you need to understand the language of the metaverse of this digital world because it allows you to better move around. So there's a very important responsibility for, for the general public um, and the education of governments, of startups, of enterprise organizations, of the general public is exactly what, what we're focusing on with the Research Institute that I founded. Perfect. <clears throat> Let's move into AI. We're on a deadline here and I want to make sure we touch on some different things. Um, so with AI, you already mentioned ChatGPT, how you used it to help write co-write your fifth book here within a week. Um, so how will AI continue to affect the pacing and the quality of information? And actually, let's start there. 
Well, I think you know what we see happening at the moment is that that AI is developing at a breakneck speed, um, and mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's it's going so so fast. You know, I wrote an article um, in September, I believe, on, on synthetic media, um, and two months later, it was already pretty much outdated because you know with all the new technologies that that came about. Um, at the moment, you can you can create a, a, a text with you know or or, or code uh, with with simple inputs. You can uh, create videos with simple inputs. You can create uh, images with simple inputs. You can create entire virtual worlds with input with with, with simple inputs. Three uh, D assets with inputs. So you know it's 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 crazy how fast this is this is going. Um, is this, is this the holy grail? No, definitely not. You know, um, what I've experienced with writing my book, you know, it was written uh, by ChatGPT, it was edited by Grammarly, and it was designed by Stable Diffusion. Um, and, you know, it, I sort of supervised the whole thing. I asked the questions and and, and, and I placed everything mm-hmm. in the right order. I didn't write a word myself. Um, it was all um, done, done in the, that direction. Uh, but is it is it is it to be honest? Yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting experiment. It's an interesting book. Is it is it a very high quality book? As high quality as my other books? No, it's not. Um, it's it's quite superficial. It doesn't go really in in depth. It sort of flows in between you know small brackets. While other books you you have more mm-hmm. storylines, you have more 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 peaks, more 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 trusts, and you have a you have a more interesting story. Um, and and mm-hmm. and I don't think that that. ChatGPT offers that at the moment. Apart from the fact that it just talks nonsense at times, you know, um, at some point I, I asked it, you know, tell me um, um, how uh, robotics and AI converged. And it just plainly stated that in the 1980s, robotics and AI created self-driving cars that completely tr- transformed the transportation industry, <laughs> which I think is quite fascinating. Um, and um, uh, earlier today, I asked ChatGPT a question about myself um, and because uh, I'm pretty visible online. And I said, um, you know, uh, tell me which articles did I write? And I just mentioned three articles that this complete nonsense that I didn't write, that didn't, don't even exist, that are very similar uh, and it just it changed one technology for the other. So and there's a lot of mistakes here. However, at the same time, it also offers um, it's a fantastic tool to to spur creativity. That if you're if you if you have a writer's block to ask a question and get an answer, or if you have a coder's block to ask a question, or if you're stuck somewhere, you know. Um, um, and from that perspective, I think it's really really interesting uh, because it can help us uh, be more creative. Um, um, uh, uh, of course, this might all change three four months from now when chap- uh, when GPT four will be launched, um, which might be a whole different level. Um, but it's at the moment it's not the holy grail. It's fantastic technology it has definitely has mistakes um, and it has bugs um, in the end technology is neutral so you know we need to think carefully about how to use this technology um, but it's it's um, it's a tool um, and uh, we should be careful with um, any advanced tool uh, you should be careful of how to use this and this is an advanced tool mm-hmm. yeah no that's good I like how you've put that I guess uh, being on the internet you've definitely seen there are some people and oddly enough, specifically like teachers and professors are very concerned about chat GPT specifically. Um, and you know, the effects on writing homework and, and blog uh, and essays and things. Um, so how do you see that downside and what other kind of potential downsides do you think we need to, to look out for in terms of AI in general? Well, 
I think one thing here is you know people are always afraid of change, um, and uh, when Wikipedia was launched first, you know um, uh, everyone thought it was you know a scam. You can you could never quote from Wikipedia. You should always quote from from academic articles or or trusted sources. Um, um, and now often you know um, uh, Wikipedia is is more reliable than you know, the best encyclopedias, um, and. Um, um, it doesn't mean you, you still need to do your own research, but it sort of shows you Wikipedia is a great source, a great tool um, uh, in order to use for whatever you're trying to do. Now, over time, we have learned how to deal with that. We have learned to understand how can we use Wikipedia uh, and where can we trust Wikipedia and where can we not trust Wikipedia. We have learned that we should do our own research um, um, and we have to learn. We have learned that we have to be skeptical, etc. Um, and and uh, we have developed an analytical skills to understand how to go about all this new technology. Now, the same thing I think will apply with you know ChatGPT or you know any of the next uh, developments that will, will undoubtedly come in the next uh, decade. Um, they are not going to go away, you know. And uh, if mm-hmm. the tool is out there, people will start to use these technologies. Now we can start to forbid this. Um, yeah, and you see this already happening that there are that ChatGPT is building watermarks into the into the text that they create so that you know it, at least people can see that it was created by 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 an AI. I think that's a very very good idea because if we can't understand anymore whether something is written by AI or created by AI versus being created by humans, uh, I think that's a bad thing. But that's a good thing. So that you know. Those um, tools to 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 understand those watermarks, to understand if something is written by chat by by an AI or not, will probably end up in the hands of the teacher so that they can understand what's going on here. Um, at the same time, also the teachers need to understand that their world is changing as well, and that these mm-hmm. new technologies are out there for the use of also for the for the betterment of society. So that we should also um, uh, we should teach the children how to use these technologies in a responsible way. Um, and often, you know, um, uh, nobody's teaching our children how to use all these different technologies um, um, that are out there, um, how to use them in a responsible way. And I think that's far more problematic than saying that, you know, um, uh, chat GPT will ruin um, uh, homework. Maybe, yes, at, at, at a short notice, at the short term, that's very, very well possible. And we need to understand rapidly um, how, how, to do, how to go about that. But we should also try to uh, look from the other, the other perspective. You know, children will use this, uh, students will use this, uh, and how can how can we ensure that their use is done in a responsible way that actually benefits them? Um, uh, because anyway, if you if you if you just uh, if you answer a test using ChatGPT, you don't learn anything anyway. So uh, uh, <laughs> that doesn't really work. So we need to think carefully about how um, how we, how um, the educational sector can use these tools um, um, instead of you know pure, purely forbidding them because that's not going to happen anyway yeah very good that that makes sense um, kind of going back to the maybe the governmental or legality side here so um, there was recently a decision in the US and I'm sure they're working on other things like it in other places. Um, that works that were created completely from AI cannot be copyrighted. Um, so in your opinion, what does that mean for the legal side of artistic and um, yeah, creation of art and literature? It's a very um, interesting perspective. Um, because... Yes, you know, if I um, I use Midjourney uh, to create um, uh, uh, new uh, art, um, this is based on existing art, um, and um, um, 
most likely uh, breaches copyright um, issues, um, so therefore it cannot be copyrighted. Uh, however, if I create, if I'm a developer and I create a tool to uh, an AI that allows to come up to be creative, and this might not happen, you know, in the next you know, decade or so. But to be to actually be creative, because uh, ChatGPT is not creative, you know, um, Stable Diffusion uh, or MidJourney, they're not creative. They're just uh, looking mm-hmm. at what's out there in, in a te- text or, 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 or images, and they, they use that to, you know, if, if if given word A, it's likely that word B will follow in, in, these, in, this, in this context. But that's basically a very, 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 very uh, uh, brief uh, nutshell how, that, how it works. Um, and... Um, that's not creativity. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. you know it's pretty darn smart that how they have created these tools, um, but it's mm-hmm. not that's not creativity. Now this might change in the future where you know, developers actually create an AI that that is creative, um, and, and then we of course have to have a discussion of what is creativity and what defines being creative. But that's more a philosophical question. But but if that's the case, then why can't that AI hold the copyright? Of what has been created, or why, or should that copyright be given to the one who developed it? But then, if like if it's a company, does the company get the copyright? Or if it's um, um, uh, ten developers, who of those ten developers get the mm-hmm. copyright? Um, so these are all important questions that we need to ask. So if it's a if it's a chat GPT tool, can it have copyright? M- maybe not, uh, because it's not less. Sorry, it's not necessarily a creative, um, and it's 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 you know it's, it uses a lot of existing content to create new content. But down the line, if we have something that's truly creative, um, why can't it hold copyright? Um, you know, um, um, I think that's something that we need to discuss. And 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 mm-hmm. I would not necessarily rule out immediately that AI can't hold a copyright um, um, because. You know, what if that AI creates a child AI, which then creates the, uh, you know, and then you, you quickly go into, uh, into a rabbit hole. Um, and mm-hmm. um, um, that's something that we need to discuss as a society. Um, how do we look at this? Um, and because, you know, work also needs to be rewarded. If you are, as a developer, create something really, really um, uh, creative in, uh, you know, in, the, mm-hmm. in the future, then that should be rewarded as well. So, you know, ruling out that, any AI can never hold copyright, um, I think is not a good idea. Yeah, okay, fair. So we kind of touched on this already, but with embracing AI or staying more skeptical, what do you think are kind of the main fears at this point, especially from from artists, I would say in particular, because we saw, you know, that um, AI generated piece win an art competition and <laughs> set the Internet on fire. Um, but yeah, so what would you say are the, the kind of the main fears surrounding this and how can we kind of quell those fears at this point? Uh, well, I think the, the fears around AI are, are real. Um, as in, you know, AI will take over jobs. Um, um, that's, in my opinion, a given. Um, you know, self-driving mm-hmm. cars will uh, put a lot of uh, a lot of people out of a job, um, and, and not necessarily the next three years, but uh, you know, next ten to twenty years, self-driving cars will put a lot of people out of uh, out of a job. Um, and you know, in, in a lot of fields, AI will become really, really advanced, um, and uh, it will, on the one hand, augment a lot of 
work, but it also means makes lot, work a lot more effective and efficient so that you can do the same work with fewer employees. And we see this already happening today, um, you know, because in a lot of countries, there's a shortage in finding the right staff. So what do companies mm-hmm. do, being capitalists as they are? Um, they're looking for other solutions to replace those staff that they cannot find. Now, once technology has taken the place of an employee, that job for that employee will never come back. Um, um, mm-hmm. So um, over time, you know, t- more technology will take the place of more people. Um, and that is a real problem for as, us as a, as a society. How do we go about that? Um, um, do we need to have uh, you know, a basic income? Maybe. I haven't done – my research is not in that direction. But um, it's, 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 it, these are things that we need to think about because – not thinking about the, the, the consequences of AI um, and how it will affect our, our society, I think is very dangerous. Um, and uh, do these people have to have to do different jobs? What kind of jobs? You know, a lot of the jobs that will become available, because of course AI will also create a lot of new jobs, uh, are, are more require you know um, maybe a master's degree or a bachelor's degree or maybe even a PhD. Um, and obviously, not everyone um, um, would will have a, a master or a degree or, or a PhD. So how do we how do we go about that? Um, I don't necessarily have an answer here, uh, but this is something that we uh, need to think hard about, need to think hard about very, very quickly. Um, uh, and, to, and we need to come up with solutions because if we just let the technology um, evolve, we'll, we'll be sleepwalking into a future where you know AI has taken over a lot of jobs and there will be a lot of people without a job. Um, and that, yeah, how do, we, how, how do we take care of these people? Um, um, I don't have an answer there, but it's something that we need to th- think about really, really hard. Yeah, no, that's fair. Good. Um, At this point, I'd like to kind of zoom back out. Um, There's a lot more topics in your book that I found interesting um, relating to climate tech and 3D printing, but I want to kind of zoom out again. Um, So as someone who does have a PhD in management and expertise in in big data and blockchain and AI and all of this, um, how do you think these future techs will shape the way organizations operate in the future? So we did talk on AI. So again, kind of the the bigger picture, I guess. Sure. So, well, I think what we can foresee is that, you know, technology is evolving fast, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's moving exponential um, uh, because all the different technologies are converging. Um, so, um, uh, better AI uh, means we need uh, we we create more data, you know, um, uh, new tools means also more data, which means we can create better AI, which made at some point may, means that we can get uh, quantum computing, um, um, which creates even better alg- uh, algorithms, better AI, which can create better tools, um, etc. Um, and so all these technologies are converging. Um, so um, we have left sort of the, <laughs> the hockey stick um, and are now on an exponential trajectory, um, um, a trajectory to, uh, to, yeah, to, a, to a, um, a very exciting future. Um, with also some some caveats, and um, mm-hmm. from an organizational perspective, that means that you know uh, everything in your business will change. Um, how you how you how you uh, find customers, how you deal with customers, how you um, um, uh, sell to customers, how you find employees, how you hire employees, how you deal with your employees, um, uh, how you build products, how you source products, um, how you supply products. Um, every aspect of your business will change in the next two to three decades um, in ways, in more ways than they have changed in the past two to three decades. Um, And so, you know, uh, businesses will experience 
constant change. Um, and now that's problematic because people don't like change. You know, uh, from, a, from, a, from a, I think it's all sort of in our genes that we don't like change. Um, but we are living in a world that's, con- that's, that's, that's constant in flux. Um, and so we need to understand how to deal with that change. We need to embrace that change in order to in order to benefit from it, um, and I think you know um, that is very 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 challenging. Um, and uh, because if you want to embrace change, you need to understand the change. You need to understand how these technologies are affecting your business. Um, that's quite challenging because uh, you know the world is changing so fast at the moment that even for me, where it's my work, my job, uh, to understand how these technologies change organizations, even for me, it's sometimes difficult to keep up. Now. It's my job. If it's not your job, if you are a CEO of a large business, you have uh, many thing, many other things on your on your plate, um, um, and you're thinking about how digital technology is going to disrupt your business is very low on your on your agenda. Probably it shouldn't be, but that's probably what, where it is. Um, and so um, uh, that's I think very important for organizations to be aware of that that you know the world is changing so rapidly at the moment, and if you don't think about that, if you don't prepare for that, it will mean the end of your business in in, in maybe before the end of this decade, um, uh, no matter how big you are. And we have seen plenty of examples in the past um, um, that, that you know no business is too big to fill, um, and uh, that's something to to think about. And so uh, any organization should pre- prepare for tomorrow um, and be ready for tomorrow. Yeah. How do you see the differences in um, kind of reactions or, or what the challenges are, what the benefits are between companies that are very, very small, maybe even a startup versus one that has 100 employees or 1,000 or, as you mentioned before, a quarter of a million employees? Is it a very similar situation or, or what are the unique challenges, I guess? Well, of course, a startup is a lot more uh, agile and can change a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, uh, you know, a 250,000 employee um, enterprise organization is like a big tanker, which is a lot more difficult to navigate and to, to change course. Um, uh, mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's you know, one thing. But I think it also very much depends on, on the people uh, who, who you have in your business and, and how open-minded they are. And the other day I was doing a, delivering a keynote and, and one of the um, uh, 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 a gentleman in the audience um, said, "Yeah, I don't believe crypto. I don't believe blockchain, and crypto is a scam." And and, and we had a bit of a, a big discussion about that. And then I, you know, politely had to disagree with the gentleman uh, because it's just um, it's it's a very um, I think a very old-fashioned way to look at the world. It's as if you can stop you know the the technological developments that are going on at the moment. And, you know, the future the, the future is happening whether we want it or not you know it's not that we can stop <laughs> the strain it's not that you can say again okay, we're going to forbid all developments in crypto because crypto is is is, is a scam uh, uh, that's simply not going to happen um, the same is you know, we can't say um, you know, we're going to forbid all ai developments because it's ruined, going to ruin all our jobs you know, that's not going to happen because you simply can't do that um, so um, you know all these developments are going to happen, whether we want it or not, and we can, you know, uh, ignore them uh, and 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 try to hold on to, to to the past. But the past has also shown that you know those people, societies, organizations that do that generally don't go don't go <laughs> go very well in the future. Um, so uh, again, you know, you have to you have to adapt, you have to accept change, you have to go with the flow, uh, understand these technologies and embrace them. Um, whether you're a small organization, a governmental organization, or a large enterprise business. Yeah, good. So with Web three and blockchain, as you were kind of specifically mentioning there, how do you see the differences in um, in how 
Web3 and blockchain is going to, to shape the future of industries that are maybe a, not so related to gaming and entertainment, as we discussed before with the metaverse, but more finance, industrial and healthcare and supply chain management, that sort of thing. So um, I, I think if we look at, at Web3, um, Web3 is a very important development, uh, but uh, Web3 is also very so-called boring development, I think, because in the end, Web3 is infrastructure. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, Web3 is, is building the, uh, uh, the infrastructure of the next iteration of the internet, of an internet that's open um, and that's um, uh, decentralized and not controlled by um, centralized entities. Um, you know, the whole next iteration of the internet, the whole immersive internet, the metaverse, um, is not... Um, Required for large is not required to build the open metaverse. To, sorry, to build the metaverse, and we can very well do without uh, Web three technology to build the metaverse, and that's I think a challenge uh, because we need to have a more decentralized uh, metaverse than we have at, than internet we have today, um, and that's where Web three technologies come into place. Um, and so, any organization that wants to benefit um, from an, a, a more decentralized, more open, uh, and, and these are all uh, paradigms that, especially in Generation Z and Generation Alpha, um, embrace, they should look into how they can benefit from Web three technologies. Perfect. Thank you. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, kind of my last really big question here what are you most excited about when it comes to all this new tech and its adoption so when it, it's an interesting question interesting question you know um, it's basically looking into the future and and, and uh, what what's happening and i think uh, what i'm most excited about when i look into the future is is all the enormous possibilities that these technologies offer to create a better society um, and to create um, a better life for for billions of people if we use these technologies in the right way Um, and to really create a thriving digital society uh, that can benefit everyone um, and we are able to create magical things um, um, uh, if, if, we, if we use these technologies in the right way um, that's what I'm very very excited about um, and we can already see the first glimpses you know of, of how technology offer really cool experiences um, but we also see the downside of, 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 of this um, and that, that's, that's something that I really worry about um, and I mean, you know, the, the, the verdict is still is still still out whether whether it will end up in a, in, a, in a society which embraces predominantly the, the good side versus you know predominantly the bad side. Um, and you know, if we look at the history of the internet so far, yes, it has created you know fantastic things for society, uh, but it also has created enormous problems. Um, it has resulted in many people dying uh, of all kinds of causes, um, and um, you know. Um, if this is going to uh, move to a level up, um, which it will, um, then we need to make sure that we do it in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. Then, um, do you have anything specific you want to plug? I guess your latest book, at the very least. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm happy to. Uh, you know, if people look want to find me, they can find me on on the digitalspeaker.com. Um, and uh, so uh, last year in 2022, I published two books. Uh, one very well uh, in-depth research, interviews, surveys, um, everything um, uh, called "Step Into the Metaverse" <laughs> and you know, how the metaverse is going to change our society. Um, and then the other book called "Future Visions," written in five days, edited in one day 
and published in one day, uh, completely done with AI. Um, uh, and I think it's interesting to see these two books side by side um, and to uh, get a good understanding of um, um, yeah, how technology um, is evolving um, and how what also also what the limitations are of these technologies, because I think that's very important to be aware of as well. Um, and then the very last question we like to ask people, who should we have on the expert talks next? Uh, poof. Uh, there's so many, <laughs> so many people. Um, it depends on which which direction you want to um, focus on. Um, if it's if, if it's more in, in into into the metaverse, um, uh, um, I would definitely recommend Justin Hochberg. He's very much focused on 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 the metaverse. Um, in terms of AI, I would definitely look into everyone who's building uh, generative AI. Um, because there's there's so much happening in this space, um, and um, uh, yeah, that there, yeah, there's so many people who are very very interesting to to invite because uh, you know so many really uh, interesting people built so much so many really cool things. Um, so um, I'm, I'm sure you can have uh, um, dozens and dozens of more to more podcasts. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. All right. Thank you so very much for your time today, Mark. I really appreciate our conversation and uh, I looked forward to seeing what you've got going on in the future. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a great conversation. If you liked today's episode, please rate, follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you really like our content, join our Discord community where there's always good conversation, exciting news and live AMAs. Thanks for listening.